Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. In lockdown, indefinitely. How how are how are you holding up? It's weird. It's getting weirder and more. It's it's scarier and stranger. And time becomes a smear on the calendar. Just one day into the next. Don't know what day it is. I didn't know what day it was today when I woke up. I didn't know what day Saturday was. There's none of the. What is it? Signposts or lampposts or signifiers or just habits that define your days? It's fucking nuts, man. Over-focusing on cats because I don't have kids. It's like wondering what they're up to. I, I really think it's gotten to the point where my cats are like, this is getting to be a bit much with this guy here in our house all the time. You know, it's getting a little intense. For the cats, I think. And just, it's really a test of some kind, obviously. We got the mask thing now that uh, here in Los Angeles, I think all over California, we got to wear masks when we go outside. I sort of started to do that before they kind of instituted as a requirement. I still am not clear on whether I should do it while I'm jogging. There's no one out there. And if there is, I get much further than six feet away from them. I kind of, I, I really run from people. I'll be jogging, then I'll see a person, then I'll run from them. They don't know it. They think I'm just jogging, but I'm running from them. I'm running as far away from them as I can. Watching some movies. We watched uh, The Pawnbroker on Criterion with uh, Rod Steiger. I don't know if that was on Criterion. Was it? Maybe it was. Sidney Lumet. Fucking heavy, man. I thought I had seen it. Wasn't sure if I'd seen it. And after I watched it, I'm pretty sure I didn't see it. And if I did, I blocked it in my mind as a traumatic experience. The movie is about a man sort of living with the weight and horror and uh, complete soul obliteration of being in a concentration camp before he moved to America and all of the uh, baggage that would bring, just living his life as a pawnbroker in Harlem, but never being able to get out from under the ongoing concentration camp in his mind. 
Steiger was genius. I think it's from 1965. Didn't have to be in black and white. I believe that was a choice. But man, if I did see it, I believe it traumatized me to the point where I couldn't remember seeing the whole movie. And then we watched uh, The Hospital, which I, I had seen fairly recently, Patty Chayefsky screenplay. We just watched uh, Fosse and Verdun, and I kind of wanted to see a Patty Chayefsky movie. There are a couple I watch quite frequently, maybe one, Network, I watch at least once a year. But I've taken to watching The Hospital uh, once a year as well with George C. Scott. Because I really want to do a George C. Scott impression. Damn it, I can't. I'll get it. You can't just go out there. God damn it. I'll get it. But that's a dark movie as well. It's a satire, which means there is something funny about it, but it's dark. So last night we had to find something light. Kind of ran through a lot of a list of 70s comedies. Seems to be the era we're kind of uh, fucking around with. And uh, came up with the Frisco Kid. With Gene Wilder, Harrison Ford. I think it was from maybe 70... Oh, I don't know. Hold on. Hey, Google. What year was the movie The Frisco Kid made? In the United States of America, The Frisco Kid came out on July 6, 1979. Huh. 79. See, I I thought it was pretty late. But Harrison Ford's pretty young. Gene Wilder is... It's just a great Gene Wilder movie. I don't know if you know the movie or how much you love Gene Wilder. But Gene Wilder, like, we, I wanted something with some heart, with some humor. And uh, it's, it's not that it's a great movie, but it's a great Gene Wilder movie. The, the premise is, is that he plays the sort of runt of a yeshiva, like the worst rabbi at a yeshiva in Poland in 1850. And they send him to the United States to be the rabbi at a temple in... San Francisco, 1850. So he comes over not knowing anything and uh, tries to make his way across the country, meets Harrison Ford, who's a bank robber. They become best friends. The thing about Wilder is he he really approaches the role in a very sincere way, and it's a very beautiful and touching uh, character. It's just a lot of heart to the thing. And Gene Wilder was a beautiful performer comedically. That A lot of it's shtick. A lot of it's sort of, uh, I think it's a Robert Aldrich. Uh, I think he directed it. Uh, directed a lot of different kinds of movies. It was probably later in his career. But it was definitely, um, it was worth it. It's sweet. So today on the show, I'm going to talk to Jeff Dunham, the ventriloquist. That's a tough word for my mouth. Ventriloquist. Here's the deal. I didn't realize, maybe I did, that he's sort of a polarizing figure for a couple of reasons. And I understand one side of it from when I was younger, you know, is that a guy with puppets, when I was coming up as a comic, the fucking puppet guy got no respect at all because he was a puppet guy. You know, he was sort of, he was the brunt of a joke, like a prop comic, the puppet comic. It was was thought to be a, I don't know if it was a hackneyed thing or just a kind of a mainstreamy, mediocre thing, but... But guys like me who were coming up as uh, real stand-ups, man, were kind of hard on the uh, the Dunhams of the world, both uh, you know guitar acts or or puppet acts. But there are not that many puppet acts, prop acts. 
There was a lot of prop acts. There was a lot of guitar acts. But there were, at any given time, oddly, for as much shit as someone like Jeff Dunham took coming up, uh, there weren't a lot of puppet guys, uh, you know, modern puppet guys. Uh, there, there still aren't, really. So I had to really wrestle with this. Now, obviously, with Jeff Dunham, there was another layer of problems that some of his puppets were uh, seen as racist. And I think that they were a little racist, and I talked to him about that, but but that was the second level. That, that was more the indicting kind of like, I'm sure the people that accused him of racism didn't like puppets either to begin with. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're two separate camps of not liking Jeff Dunham. But when the opportunity came up to interview Jeff, I, again, like I always do with my show, with comedians, the basis of this show originally was that, you know, I interview comics and I interview uh, uh, people uh, in show business uh, mostly, but, but comics. And he's a comic. There's no doubt he's a comic. He is. He holds a place in show business, in the nightclub uh, realm, and there haven't been that many. So I had to put it into context of my sense of the history of comedy. And obviously, as I've gotten older, I've become much more inclusive in terms of uh, people who do different types of stuff. There are people that do things uh, that, that have acts that I don't necessarily love, but I talk to for different reasons. But... But to really talk to a ventriloquist, to talk to Jeff Dunham, somebody who I had judged negatively in my past, I had to go back into myself. Now, here we are with plenty of time to think. And I imagine some of you are using this time to think. I know I am. You know, think about who you are, where you come from, what you like, what's important to you, you know, why you do what you do. And today wasn't a great day for me, really. You know, today was one of those days where I really thought, what if I was done? You know what I mean? Like, I got all this downtime here. I'm not thinking about stand-up a lot. I'm not mad that I'm not working that much. Uh, I do this. This is still work. But really sort of like the the place my brain went today was like, all right, so if we ever get through this, if if life ever returns to some sort of normalcy, am I done could I be done? Is it okay to be done? I mean, that's going to hinge on, you know, how much of my savings disappear. But but it was sort of a weird thought. And then it kind of frees up your brain to sort of think about, well, what, what do I want out of life? And where did I come from? Yeah, I'm being kind of, you know, thoughtful or heady or, or, or nostalgic or maybe even depressed. I'm not even sure. But when I had Jeff Dunham come over, which was, it was right before the social distancing started, but we were in it. We were in this sort of try to stay at home trip, but I had to really be honest with myself and in terms of how I approached him, which was, there was a time, and I imagine I'm not alone in this, when I was a kid, it was probably 1970-ish, I lived in the, uh, the paneled basement of our first house in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We had moved from Alaska. There was shag carpet, two beds. Me and my brother lived down there in the basement. There had its own bathroom and a little another room attached to it, but it was a basement. But we were down there. We were down there, and that, for some reason, we had a certain amount of freedom, I remember. I had posters up that were inappropriate for a kid my age, given that I was seven or eight had a poster of uh, Dennis Hopper and Easy Rider 
hanging up down there. I had the uh, horoscope of uh, sexual positions in a blacklight poster. I don't know why. I do not know why. That shows how perhaps irresponsible my parents were. I don't know. But the point is, there was a brief period there where I was fascinated and loved ventriloquism. And I'm trying to think who I had seen. I knew who Edgar Bergen was. I had to do some research. I don't know how I knew about ventriloquism, but like any other kid, you know, it it was sort of an old timey thing, even when I was a kid, obviously. But it was one of those things, almost, it was sort of a, a kind of a nerdy undertaking that if you could get your parents to buy the doll, you give it a try. Like if you ever were like a seven year old kid, and you saw that, you saw the ventriloquism, why wouldn't you want to try that? And I just remember there was a there was a period there, short, where yeah, I was mildly obsessed with it. Now, the the doll, the dummy, that was sort of a a a, a kind of a big tag toy purchase, like the ventriloquist dummy that they had back then was still kind of based on Edgar Bergen's dolls. Uh, there was a Charlie McCarthy and a Mortimer Snurd. That was those were the two I remember. And I think there was another ventriloquist, Paul Winchell, who had a dummy named Jerry Mahoney, who, who looked similar, similar facial facial features. Mortimer Snurd had kind of a doofus face. And Charlie McCarthy was more of, he had a top hat and a monocle. I remember I made my brother take Mortimer Snurd. I wanted Charlie McCarthy. And you try it for a little while. These little dressed up dummies. You put your hand in the back of their head and you make them talk. And it was, you know, I mean, I don't remember how much those dolls were, but they weren't cheap. They weren't expensive. They were plastic heads. But, you know, you you hear about like, you know, the real heads or you you do the reading when you're a kid. And this might be generational. Like the real heads are made out of wood. And, uh, you know, to get a real dummy and you want the real dummy, but you don't even know how to do it yet. And. But it doesn't last long. It didn't stick with me. But there was a period there where I thought it was fascinating and I wanted to do it. And I had a doll. I had a Charlie McCarthy doll. Now, if that doll hangs around long enough as you grow up, you know, eventually it ends up with no clothes. And it's just this weird pillow with this ventriloquist head on it. At some point, maybe the head comes off, depending on where your life takes you in high school. Either it ends up a prop you know, at, in, at, you know, at a punk show or maybe a piece of art, you know, when, if, you, if you're kind of an arty kid in high school. And the head, the head will travel. The dummy head will travel. It will end up in many places uh, that have nothing to do with its body and that have nothing to do with its original intent. If it hangs around long enough and you don't give a fuck about ventriloquism, you'll find other uses for the head and the doll. I think I gave mine to an artist in high school. No clothes on it. And I think the head ended up part of a part of a piece. You got to you, you have to it, it's the sad thing is, is you have to un Charlie McCarthy. You have to take away the monocle. You have to strip it of its uh, original identity to just make it the head and to have other implications, either scary or, or ponderous. Why is that head in that piece? What does the head have to do with that tree? Why is there a, a small cage? Yeah. Installations were, you know, they could go anywhere, man. But it was my interest at that time that I was able to tap into while talking to uh, to Jeff Dunham because I was able to find 
to find them again and, and legitimately find them again. And I became very interested in that stuff because he is the best. But it's weird because I did have to overcome the only way I could overcome what was once a kind of judgmental resentment of this entertainer. And he's a huge entertainer. Jeff Dunham is, is to kind of reach back into my own memory and my own childhood to find that excitement and that curiosity. And I, and I was thrilled to do it, really. And it turned out to be a great talk. I, it was very interesting to me. And it is a unique skill. However you want to condescend, whatever you want to say about like fucking puppets, it's a real craft, you know? And as I talk to him more, you really find out where it comes from, where the dummies come from, and just working the face. And the, I mean, it's a, it's a thing. It's like magic in a way. I don't love watching magic. And I don't necessarily seek out ventriloquism. But, but when I see both of them, for a little while, I'm like, holy fuck, that's crazy. How'd they do that? How do they do that? It's a, it's a, it's a how do they do that art form? It's, it's entertainment based in how the fuck do they do that? Um, hey, Google. How old is ventriloquism? On the website thevintagenews.com, they say, The act of ventriloquism as an entertainment starts back in the 18th century, but the history of ventriloquism as a practice has been around for thousands of years. Thousands of years. So now uh, I'm going to, going to shift gears into my conversation with Jeff. He's got like eight Netflix specials on. He's got a lot of... Uh, a lot of specials. I think that, yeah, I think there's eight of them. Uh, this is me talking to uh, to the ventriloquist, Jeff Dunn. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. But vegan, though, let's we can start. So, oh, we don't need to talk about that. That'll sure that, that's, we do. That's, that's, that's not my fans. That's no, not but, my fans. Are right, whatever you want to talk about. But I, but I think that's interesting. I mean, where'd you grow up? Texas. So so Barbecue. like that's a, it's a big it's a big change, man. <laughs> but like at home, right. where you used to eating, you know, were you are you like uh, would you call yourself by by nature a meat eater? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I, I haven't I haven't really missed it. 
believe it or not. But it's also because my wife is an amazing cook and, and chef. Yeah. And so... So she's doing the, the fancy vegan stuff. Oh, my gosh. Some of the stuff that she comes up with really? is unbelievable. Yeah. I'm, I'm asking you because I feel like I should be doing that. Well, you know, there's just so many arguments for it. Yeah. And what the trouble is you get the animal rights folks uh-huh. mixed in there. Yeah. And then it becomes political. Right. And then it's just this big mess. Right. So... Um, it's just when, healthier. Yeah, well, yeah. So when you just start at the at the at the health part of it, sure. Then I, I've been now this way eating like next to no meat. You know, look. Yeah. If, if somebody comes up with a great steak, says you got to have a bite. Of course, I'm come on, have Jeff. A bite. When you're on the road, you're on the road. No, gotta... no, on the road. You know, I'm re- I'm actually really really good on the road because she. <laughs> this is so. She monitoring you? No, she makes my meals. <laughs> really? I take him in a big cooler on the tour bus. Wow, she's really doing it. <laughs> yeah, you're in, absolutely. buddy. And I don't cheat either. It's like I, you know, I will tell her. I said I had a, you know, whatever today, <laughs> and I, I'm completely honest. It's because I'm I'm trying to stay healthy. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be a grandfather in a month. Is that true? Yeah. How old do you do? I, well, I'm 50. I'll be 58 in a month. Would you have a, a child when you were 10? What <laughs> how old is he? <laughs> she's 29. Oh, okay. Yeah, my oldest daughter's 29, and she's uh, pregnant and in Montana and happy. And uh, this stupid virus thing—it's got to be horrifying. Oh, that's for scary. Her. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But so no. But before we get to the virus, no, no. When you, when you want to have a meat snack, what do you do? Like a beat, like a swim gym, or what? No, I don't do that. Beef jerky, it's got. It has to be. If like I'm going amazing... to eat it, it has to be. Yeah, it's got to be some Ruth Chris kind of steak. Oh yeah, sure, amazing, you know what I'm right? Yeah, yeah. So, but that's not often. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it used to be like once a month I'd have a steak, and now it's cut down to next to nothing. But uh, I was very excited when Burger King came out with the Impossible Burger, well, Impossible the, Whopper. Apparently, there are these burgers, <laughs> right, that look like hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I haven't. I've eaten different versions of them, and I've tried to. I've gone out with uh, Lynn, who you met, is not a vegetarian, but the the two women I was with before her were both vegetarians. So I mean, I've been where you are, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and you know, people harp. They say Audrey and I went to Burger King right when they came out with that burger, and we posted pictures of us (laughs) eating it. And people are like, "It's not healthy." Well, no, of course it's not healthy. Right, but it's It's just not the meat. That's that's it. Right. Well, yeah, Yeah. but it's like we get to go to Burger King. Right. That's I was so excited because I grew up at Burger King. That was my thing. Me too, man. Do you remember the guy, the 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 king with the white hair sitting on the Whopper? That was their logo back in the beginning oh he, with the white hair with white hair wow. yeah it doesn't, doesn't look anything like the little short guy with the red I'm hair. trying to remember i remember yeah. when the big mac came out so like i remember when i was a kid and so i remember certain things i remember when the first wendy's happened wow yeah but that was i mean i i grew up in new mexico so i'm next to texas oh yeah and the tri- a, I, I, college it was a regular thing for me to go have a triple at wendy's, triple at wendy's absolutely. They, were, they were the best so greasy and <laughs> yes. uh, square burgers well it's because they fried the meat they didn't charbroil it it's so funny because at being yeah they they there was a uh, they fried it they just let it well, they sit just, in the they oil just put it on, no That's they just right. yeah they just put it on a like uh, not for not deep fried but like remember just, when they came up with the salad bar when they put the salad bars in wendy's absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we could get something healthy over here <laughs> But it's weird growing up in New Mexico, right next to Texas, because there were regional places like yeah. Piggly Wiggly. Didn't you have Piggly? Wiggly? We had Piggly Wiggly. Yeah, and what are the other ones? And then uh, what, Hardee's versus Hardee's, right? Uh, which is Arby's. Uh, Hardee's yeah. versus uh, uh, well, Carl's Jr. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hardee's and but you didn't have Blake's Whataburger. I don't think that was in New Mexico. No, we had Whataburger. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a Absolutely. good one. Yeah, that, they, that, they still have that down in Texas. It's, yeah, Whataburger uh, too. I don't think is. Uh, I saw Whataburger. Remember Whataburger? Yeah. 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 And Lotterberg, yeah. Boy, back when we were kids, man. <laughs> Weren't things better? <laughs> they were. And that, you know, what's funny is one of the things I do is I collect toys. And uh, You mean I'm, your act? Uh, yeah, thank you very much. 
No, I actually go back and collect toys, and eBay is an evil, evil thing. And I, I don't have, get involved with it, but you do it, huh? Oh, my God. And I have a, a collection of toys that is all the coolest stuff we had back in the 70s. And one of my biggest videos right now is the toys that almost killed me. Really? Like, what What do you got? Uh, well, you know so you what? So you have your own YouTube channel? Where yeah, you yeah. Where you do this stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you know what the number one toy is that, that for killing? In the world? Oh, yeah. It's like jarts, lawn darts. Really? Do you remember those? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they were, the, they were these spikes of metal. They were big plastic with yeah. spikes. Well, they were spikes of metal with plastic wings. Yeah. And, you, <laughs> and they were literally like a foot long. Yeah. And they were heavy. It was like a three eighths inch diameter shaft right, on this right. thing with a point. Yeah, and, and they're still around. A, no, no, they were outlawed. <laughs> you can't even buy them on eBay because they'll get in trouble. It's like selling a weapon. Really, kids died from those things. Wait, did you know anybody? Uh, no, I didn't know anybody that died, but I definitely got oh. a set illegally. Sure, I remember them. I remember. <laughs> Slip and slides too felt dangerous to me. They still make those. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Whammo still in business? No, I didn't know that. It's got to be somebody bought it. And now they're just selling like the Super Bowls. Nostalgic stuff. Yeah, well, it's Super Bowls and remember Super Bowls? Sure, man. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. the little balls that bounce all over the place. Yeah, but yeah. now they have a Super Bowl, but it's like it's 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 sad. It doesn't not bounce. the same. No, oh, not a non bouncing Super Bowl. What's super about it then? Right. Well, it sort of bounces. Here's the thing. Here's the technical <laughs> thing. When a Super Bowl, when you drop it, it yeah. would return no matter what height you dropped it from. Right. Like ninety five percent of the height right. you dropped it from. Right, and then you'd remember when you were a kid, you'd be like, what if we dropped it off a, t- a building? <laughs> and it would bounce <laughs> over close, the building. Pretty close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so what other toys did you get? Uh, well, the ones that would almost kill me. Man, I don't remember. Do you remember um, they were called uh, uh, Incredible Edibles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What were those? Oh, you made them? You cooked them yourself? Yeah, you had and a little, little oven. Monsters? Yeah, and that's a thing maker was another thing. That was a little oven. Made gummy. It was almost like gummy uh, stuff. The Incredible Edibles were like gummy things. Yeah. yeah. And they'd come with... So this is one of the things I did on, on that, that video. Yeah. Is I found a set that had never been opened. It was 55 years old or 52 yeah. years old. Oh, really? And so we made it. Li- oh, it was a live <laughs> video, I think. Yeah. And I ate them. Yeah. Yeah, 52-year-old oh, goo. Oh, did you get sick? Thing. No, I was fine. Oh, it held up, huh? <laughs> yeah. Is that vegan, though? <laughs> yeah, I I think it is actually. No, it had to have gelatin in it. Yeah, gelatin is cow's feet. So who knows? So we were talking in the kitchen about like when you in the midst of now. This is at the beginning of this coronavirus outbreak, and you know, I assume it's going to go on for a while. So it's going to be still relevant. But two questions now. Outside of the uh, canceling work, uh, that's that's got to be sort of devastating. But. Do you, do you think in terms of like, all right, so which one of my characters, which one of my puppets can talk about this? I think one of them should catch it. Are you right? You're going to have a mask? <laughs> right. By the way, Mark, I think I actually have it right now. <laughs> no, come on. Yeah. No, I do. I think I have it. I don't have any symptoms at all. Uh, yeah. Like, okay. I feel fine. I don't have a temperature. Yeah. I'm not sneezing. But you're pretty sure you got I'm it. I'm pretty sure I have it. Sure. Yeah. I think everyone's going to get it. Right. It's just, you, you know, you know. I think we're trying to stop the people that might die from it from getting it. Right. We're all trying to chip in. That's the idea. Right. But Force I do. Them. I think I have it. And so now I feel better about, you know, I can't, I'm not going to catch it because I already have it. Yeah. There so you I'm go. not worried. You move through it. <laughs> Exactly right, but but it, the work though they they have canceled a lot of dates, big dates. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, so most of my shows are now anywhere between five and ten, usually between six and ten thousand folks. And really? So, oh yeah. So we've the big arenas, and that's that's a tough date because we're you know we're competing with uh, the NBA and the NHL. Those are the same places. And they cancel too. Yeah, they're canceling all their stuff. So, so now we just... have to rebook all the dates, and so now we're everybody's scrambling to try and make all these new dates into fit. July and stuff, and yeah, in August. And you hope you know again. Uh, who knows how long this is going to go on? You know, but that's fascinating because I don't know that a lot of people realize that. I mean, that you do 
you know, you're one of the biggest comedy acts in the country, really, right? Yeah, yeah. For and now for eleven years, almost twelve years, we've been doing these arenas. So my fifteen minutes has lasted way longer than anybody ever expected. But yeah. you, but you, no, but oh, you mean not your act? You mean your 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 fame? My fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah. No, <laughs> the show is now two and a half hours long. Two and a half for a damn puppet show. How many how many dummies characters? Do you have? Well, I, I come out and I what do, do you like, call them? Like, dummies the, characters. The... I, I I call them they're dummies, but I call them characters. Uh, and then when I'm self-deprecating, I call them puppets. Okay. Yeah, it's a puppet show for God's sake. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When you're trying to like, you know, like, hey man, it's a job, right? I'm a puppet guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it was in the clubs. I did almost 20 years of comedy clubs. We must have worked together. I don't know. I think I think we might have missed each other. Did you do the improv chain? No, not much because, and I still won't do it. Like they never helped me with anything. I, I was oh. a type of act, Jeff. I don't think we would have really worked on the same bill, and I don't know that. That the improvs, they were never that great to me. They'd give me fallout weeks and they'd always tell me how much they liked me, but I didn't do the 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 chain much. You know, I was sort right. of, you know, it was really scattered, you know, right. how I paid my dues. But right. yeah, they were not as glorious. I was never like a go-to guy for the improv chain. Well, I was, you know, I was at the top of that food chain for, for like I said, for 18 years. And Be- before, was... that's before Hartman, right? Uh, no, Robert became my manager. All right, so that's when that big shift comes. Yeah, I didn't think he thought much about me. Really? Yeah. He, I, I don't. Well, I think he's all impressed now. <laughs> <laughs> little late, little yeah, late, exactly. Robert. Is he, he still he, your manager? No, oh. he moved to uh, he moved to Nashville, and he's in, still in the business. California, or no? yeah, he's still in the business. California boy, you know, he and his mm-hmm. wife and two kids they moved out to Nashville. Nashville. Well, Nashville's beautiful. You know, one of my uh, a, a, a guy who I like a lot as a comic, Nate Bargatze. He's mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's uh, he's uh, he's out in Nashville, and he stayed in Nashville. Right, it's a real show business town. Yeah, yeah. But you live here. Yeah, yeah, live here. Yep. All right, so let's talk about this. So I just want people to know that you're selling five thousand to ten thousand seat arenas. Like, where are your big markets for the for the puppet show? You know, <laughs> thanks, Mark. <laughs> um, uh, it's really interesting. Where you would think that I would be the slowest is actually where I would sell those tickets the fastest: the Northeast and the Northwest. That's where we sell tickets the fastest. We're it's talking like Washington, thing. Oregon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Idaho. Portland, in Portland, Oregon, I think was my biggest show ever, like sixteen, seventeen thousand. No people. kidding. Yeah, and uh, um, and then up in the the Northeast, oh my gosh, Boston used to be one of my best cities. Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. So where would you assume people would think that you would sell big? Texas, where I grew up. <laughs> I mean, I still do well in Dallas. I still do well in all the. Are Texas you are towns. you Mormon sanctioned? Can you do Utah? Uh, do they do? Do you do the Salt Lake City? I, I, I do Salt Lake City, but I, I'm not sure if it's the Mormons coming to my show. No, but you would know because you could play a week at the arena. Oh, like that's Reagan, true. Reagan, that's like he's like Reagan. big. That's a big part of his nut is doing like four or five shows at the basketball arena. And, well, my in show Salt is kind of PG thirteen ish. You know, there's oh, a, there's a few. Pushing the envelope. Yeah, yeah. There's a few f bombs <laughs> in there, but it's not. You know, that's another thing that I, I I like to talk about. It's it's about content to me. Mm. It's not it's not content that's questionable. It's just a few words here and there. So I used to say to my girls when they were growing up, it's like, okay, we can hear the bad words. Yeah, uh, we're not going to repeat them, but yeah, you're going to hear a few bad words in Daddy's show. But I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about <laughs> this. Is Jeff Dunham, folks. He's <laughs> he's on the edge, man. <laughs> It's a, it's a blue show. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not. But it's subject matter. Sure. You know no, what I no, mean? I get it. You're using it in context and it's spice. In a, right, spice. Let's go back though. Let's 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 get to the present through going through the past. Because I'll be honest with you. Yep. You know, I was fascinated with ventriloquism as a kid. I bought the, I had Mortimer Snurd and I had Charlie McCarthy. That's my who brother, I started with. I, my brother and I each had one. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, but it didn't take that long before they had no clothes and they were broken. Right. But, you know, they were, it was sort of a big deal because it's not, it's not really just a toy when yeah. you get that first dummy, even though the head's plastic, yeah. but it's the real thing, right? By the way, that's what I was doing in the club days. I was, uh, I, I had no clothes and I was broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry go you on you know where you just have that that weird cotton body it's just this stuff right thing. just a, yeah and the hands all in one position yeah. it's very sad it was sad they're very yeah. sad without clothes yeah uh but but is that because we're you're a little older than me and certainly by the time when we were kids i mean edgar bergen was long gone really right, right. so like how did you like, do you, are you an only child? Yep, an only child. Oh, my God. Yeah, so you guessed it. You nailed it. So that's why you get the big bucks, Mark. You know your guests before you know them. So, uh, uh, yeah, and that's what I started with is just a little toy dummy well, like How did you know, though? I mean, how did we know? How did we know about ventriloquism? What did we see? Do you there, remember there, what you... there were a handful of things on TV. Paul Winchell was still, in those years, doing a few things. He uh-huh. had his big television show many years earlier. Right. Before we were conscious. Right. Um, and what was his dummy's name? Uh, Jerry Mahoney. Yeah, Jerry Mahoney. And Knucklehead Smith. Knucklehead Smith. Smith. Smith yeah. with an F. Yeah. Smith. So, um, so there were a hand... He was on every once in a while, but... The only way that I found out anything was to go to the library and check out a book on ventriloquism or encyclopedias. Because when they mentioned encyclopedias back then, when they talked about ventriloquism, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy were always the subject. Sure, yeah. Because and then back in those days, your family probably had the uh, the encyclopedias that you bought from Britannica. The guy, oh yeah, Britannica. Yeah, that's some high end shit. You come from a highbrow family. <laughs> yeah, not just no, a my, world book or my, whatever. Mine it was. were all from. I think my parents they were all from the fifties and stuff. What'd and your folks do? My dad was a real estate appraiser. My mom just a uh, uh, homemaker they still around yeah yeah mom's mom's still hanging in there lost dad about three years ago mm. but uh yeah still hanging in, in there Texas? she's nuts yeah in texas and in one of those homes that they've locked down now not let i think they're still doing that in texas they're not letting any people sure. in right now oh no it's Outsiders. all just starting you know they're just that, those are the people we're trying to keep alive yeah is people <laughs> like right. your mom and it is you know it's kind of sad because the a little bit of dementia set in and she remembers her you know her first grade class but it, during a conversation, I'll have to answer the same question, you know, oh, yeah. eight times. Right, but she knows who you are. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah that can good. go too. You know. Yeah, well, of course. But she knows she is. Uh, uh, she's with it, except for that short-term memory is just shot out of hell. So I, I, I kind of have fun with it, and it, it drives the people around me crazy because yeah. she'll ask me the same question, and I'll give her a different answer every time. <laughs> so, that? honey, where are you going to do a show? Uh, Buffalo. Yeah. 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 Then five minutes later, honey, where are you going to do a show this week? Oh, uh, uh, Poughkeepsie. Does she have the same reaction? Doesn't <laughs> yes. matter. Oh, oh that's, that's great. great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right, so you're this kid. You're alone. You need yeah. friends. That's it. And I got this little oh, dummy for Christmas one year, and I saw it in the toy store. You know what's funny? Is I went back which to dummy? Who was it? Mortimer Snurd. Oh, it was a Snurd dummy. And, that's yeah. a big, goofy face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, But I went back to, uh, to to Dallas just recently to visit my mom, and I, I had some free time. Yeah. And I drove over to that where that toy store was that I got my first dummy. I had not been back there since. Still there? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a Mexican food restaurant now, uh, which is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It was like I, one of those old hobby shop kind of... Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Exactly. It was an independent. And, and, and the dummy was a high end toy, so it was up on top somewhere. Uh, it was up on. The, it was high enough that I, uh, low enough that I could reach it. Oh. Okay. And so I took it. It was right before Christmas, and I, I picked it up. I took it to my mom and said, "Mom, look at this." And she's like, "Oh yeah, cute. Mm-hmm, great. Put it back." <laughs> yeah. And there it showed up a Christmas morning on the couch. Right. So yeah. you had you had your uh, Mortimer Snurd. Yeah, Mortimer Snurd. And how old were you? I was uh, third grade. So what are you? In, eight, oh, nine wow. years old. Third grade. Yeah. So my first show was a little book report and. Uh, I, I remember it to this day we, when Biography did my biography. We went back. They actually got in the school, and we were actually 
able to go back to my third grade class and yeah. sit down there and I took Mortimer with me I still have him took, took the original there. Mortimer yeah, the yeah, plastic yeah. one you yeah. have it absolutely so yeah. I took him back and unfortunately they didn't use that footage in the piece did, did you do a show for a bunch of kids no there was they wouldn't Nobody let knows. us in when there was kids <laughs> <laughs> they'd seen my show apparently <laughs> yeah he's gonna, he's gonna say those words but you don't have to say them exactly right. you're gonna make Mortimer Snurd's gonna be a filthy filthy man <laughs> <laughs> and like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, it just started growing from there. I mean, uh, I did that first show and realized, whoa, because I was, I was one of those unremarkable kids. I wasn't popular. Girls didn't pay attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was a little pudgy. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, and team now, sports, And now it. you're a guy with a puppet. Yeah, it made it worse. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I, I know it made it way worse. It lo- I look back on it now and I go, yeah. what the hell? Because even, okay, here, Mark, here's, here's the yeah. embarrassing part. I used to have this in my act. So when I got to junior high in yeah. seventh grade. I was doing shows, doing pretty well, doing even corporate dates, Qantas yeah. clubs. At, at how old are you? Seventh you're grade. Seventh grade. Yeah, like thirteen. Yeah, and... because I would, you know, I get up there and I'd, I'd tell jokes and I'd make fun of the president of whatever yeah. of the oh, company yeah. you or could whatever. Do it, huh? Yeah, and I couldn't. It was this kid doing yeah. pretty good jokes. So you're about like a prodigy, a some... ventriloquist prodigy, something like that. Yeah. But here's the sad part. This yeah. is the really sad part. Yeah. When my girls found out this out, they were so unbelievably embarrassed. Really. So uh, I wanted a headshot. Yeah. And my parents weren't going to pay for me to go sit down with a photographer and get a picture with a dummy, right? Right. So when it came to school picture day, mm. I thought, why not? So I carried my little dummy oh, to school picture no. day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> this is horrible. But it's also it's also business thinking. You know? It was. <laughs> I got it. So here I sat down and yeah. I put my dummy on my knee and the guy goes, uh, I remember this in seventh grade. He goes, you know, this is going to end up in the yearbook. And yeah. I go, yeah, I know. It's publicity. <laughs> <laughs> so he shot the yeah, photo of me and the dummy. Publicity yeah. for who? Yeah. So see, so he, he pulled back the camera yeah. and shot the picture of me and the dummy. So now I had one eight by ten and a bunch of wallet sizes of, of my headshot. It's sitting in that weird kind of like school picture environment? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you the picture here in a minute if you want to see you it. You still have it. But here's the... Okay, that's yeah. sad enough, you right? You still use that picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was sad enough, but here's the deal. It worked out so well, mm. I did it every single year. Oh my god! Until With the my same s- puppet? In, no, no. The dummies, the dummies grew as the act grew. They got better and better. So by my senior year in high school, that was the only time I didn't do it. Mm. But, Why? Because you had a real picture. Well, I, you know, by that time I'd figured out girls and women. You found one? Yeah, I did. I don't know. She was blind. She had no idea. I had <laughs> a doll in my hand. <laughs> what kind of girlfriend was your first girlfriend? Did she like what you did? She was three years older than me. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we met at summer camp. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. And she liked uh, your act. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> my performance. So okay, so you're doing that at yeah. uh, seventh grade. You're doing corporates, and you're you're starting to make a living doing this in yeah. in that form of showbiz. You had a a strange but practical skill, unlike a stand-up, where you could do a, a corporate like that, or you could do a kid show, you could do anything, right. really. Like it, it's sort of a, it's a different realm of performing, sure, because it's adaptable. It's adaptable. You can do it for anything. You know, I started doing comedy clubs when, like, my junior senior year in college. But here, here's the thing: the reason that I like what I do so much is because, unlike a monologist. Now we have situational comedy, and what are the best ingredients of, mm. uh, of of comedy? It's tension and conflict. Yeah, you got your characters. I I can build tension and conflict into the dialogue, and sure. and and what makes the act work is the relationship on stage, and my acting and my reacting, and the dummies doing the same thing. So it's fairly complicated where I'm acting and reacting as an actor, and then the I'm making the dummy do the same thing and the yeah. opposite to me. No, I mean I swear the thing the weird thing about it is you know as a guy who come out of straight stand up. Yep. Uh, 
But like, is that you know, it is sort of a, a unique and 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 fun skill to watch, and you know, especially when it's done well, which you do do it well. But for some reason, and I'm sure you feel this and know this, it, you know, somehow or another, you get your own, you get your own, uh, your own category. You right. Know, you, you know. You know. The, and and I did judged. fight that. I did fight that for years in the clubs. Well, let's was, wait. Wait before we get to that. Yeah. I want. I want to talk about dummies. Yep. So, because we, I want to talk about the clubs and about the tension, you know, <laughs> and about you know guys like me who back in the day were like Dunham, right? So, yep, yep. And <laughs> I'd find things written on the walls. Are you going to settle? Us? Are you here to settle a score, Dunham? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna settle. You're gonna show us all like you fucking comics, you filthy social satirists. <laughs> I was lonely. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking talked to you. We Not acted much. like we liked you, Jeff. Yeah. No, 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 nobody did. Oh. It was nobody did. I, I would find ep, ep, epithets. What's it called? Yeah, epithets. Epithets written on the walls of comedy clubs oh, no. of like, like especially when, Dunham. when I won Stand Up Comic of the Year in mm. 1997. It Who was did like, that? With a magazine? Did that? No, it was the big show, uh, oh. the big TV show. Okay. What's his name? Uh, I, I forgot his name. Remember. But yeah, it was a big show. Forgot his name. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. But when I won that, it yeah. was like the world melted. It was in, like in people stand-up? were so pissed. The stand up yes. world melted. Yeah, but I. Oh, had, was it like a Comedy Central thing? Nope, it oh. was um, Laugh-In, what the hell? Oh, uh, Schlatter? George yes. Schlatter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. George Schlatter, it was his mm. deal. <laughs> so course. he was not happy because I campaigned for it. With the dummies? Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No, we sent, you know, at that time, even then, I had merchandise, and we were sending, sending stuffed peanut dolls to all the club owners because the club owners were the ones that were supposed to nominate. Oh, uh, you fucker. <laughs> and you, vote. You politician. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That was 97, I think. Wow. But so- well, get still backloading. Like I, I'm curious about the craft of dummy making. So when you're when you're like uh, doing Mortimer Snurd, wh- how old are you when you decide, and how do you decide on the first dummy, the pro- first professional dummy? Well, like we were talking about, there was no way to find out about anything back then. You yeah. know, I didn't know there was a ventriloquist organization. There was a ventriloquist convention. Yeah, right. You just you just stuff. you just had the book on how to do it. Yep. And you were able to go. Where'd you see footage of like? You know, Winchell and Bergen and that stuff. You Whenever to, Bergen came on, you know, TV. That was it? Because yeah, yeah. there was no YouTube. Nope. Did you, you never went to New York to the well, Museum I, of Broadcasting? Nope. And I think that's, excuse me, I think that's what helped me is that I had nothing to compare myself to. Huh. And the only thing I had to listen to were yeah. Bergen's- Oh, the radio Radio stuff, shows. Right. So you could hear the patter. That, you could hear the, uh, the the rhythm. You're great. You're jumping way ahead. That's, I'm sorry. That's, no, that's great. That's exactly what it was because- I could sit there and listen to the routines. Yeah. And he was, you know, Bergen was the Seinfeld of his era. Right. His radio show was number one for like 10, yeah. ten years. Yeah. And it's a ventriloquist on radio, which yeah. made no sense. Yeah. But he had guests on there. Sure. But yeah. it was just comedy sketches. Yeah. It's like every other oh, okay. comedian. Okay. Like Jack Benny and like Bob Oh, so Hope. he would do a, a few of the voices and then he'd have guests do the other parts in the radio show. Yeah, it would be like little right, drama right. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, W.C. Fields was a normal guest. Yeah. Uh, I have a guest all the time. Uh, that's where Mae West actually got kicked off the air on radio for oh. being too suggestive. Oh, really? Yeah, she's a kind of... Edgar Bergen show. Absolutely. So it was a huge show, so, and you, that was available to listen to. Well, you, you could always... I could find the cassettes and the and the albums okay. and listen to them. And what I would do is I would sit there and I'd listen to the dialogue and I would actually type it out. Here I was 
was as a kid, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, and I'd type it out. Yeah. And you I'd no look at it. and you're an only child. You had time. <laughs> I had time. Yeah. But I would look at it and I wouldn't understand because there were no jokes. Right. It was not set up punchline. Right. It was all character. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Driven. Yeah. And so that was such a great lesson in uh, that's interesting. how yeah. to make people laugh. It wasn't like, knock, knock, who's there? Or, Did you know that at the time or is that something you look back at and realize that's what's set in? It, when, it, when I really kind of figured it out was when I moved out to Los Angeles in 1988. That I, long. Uh, yeah, moved out here in 88. And I had been doing, you know, growing up doing church shows and shows in college. And I'd do the ventriloquism thing. Yeah. And like you said, the skill is fascinating to watch. Right. That lasts for six minutes. Then it's like, okay, now you got to make us laugh. Because I would come out here and, I, you know, I had a 15-minute show, 15-minute act. I was a good uh, middle. And I'd do the show and I'd drink the water and make the dummy talk and everybody applaud. And, <laughs> you know, the water. Yeah, absolutely. That old stand by. That's right. And I and I'd get I'd get laughs and and, and accolades and you know yeah. Mike Lacey loved me as a middle act, but after a few months and you know following guys yeah. like Seinfeld and and Leno yeah. and those guys that are there. No, you got to make that audience laugh. You yeah. can't just do these. If you're going to be a headliner, you're going to have so to. You knew that. You knew you were like sort of a novelty act. Yeah, that wasn't up to par with the writing or the or the comedy of these guys who were solo acts. That's correct. Right. So that's when I realized I can do this skill. I can do this all day long. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. I, I need to start coming up with material that makes as many people in this room laugh as much as possible. Right. And that's when I knew when I started doing that and people started coming back and bringing family and friends, that's when it started growing. I'll never forget um, uh, uh, Deb, Deborah Sartell. Oh, Deborah Sartell. I remember her. Who, who was she? She booked most of the improvs. Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> the one you probably didn't yeah. like more than Hartman. <laughs> and I remember I was a middle act and I asked her, I said, you know, I, I was doing great. And I said, I finally called her one day and I, I said, when am I going to headline? Yeah, and she, and I said because I think people are coming to see just me. And I could she she actually sighed on the phone. Yeah. And she goes, "You think you're getting a following?" I yeah. go, "Yeah." yeah. And I said, well, "When do you think I can headline?" <laughs> she goes, "I tell you what," because you know she'd heard this a million yeah, times. Right? She said, "When the headliner can't follow you, then you can headline." I'm like. Okay. And that to me was like a challenge. I'm like, right. yeah, that, they're all right. Great. And it was Phoenix, Arizona at the Improv in Tempe. I know that Improv. Oh, my God. Big, and, big, that was one of the first, bigger ones. It was like a theater, but it was by virtue, they didn't do it on purpose. It was before they were building those huge rooms. Right. But it was just as big, almost a theater looking Yeah, place. it was one yeah. of the biggest clubs in the country. Yeah. And I remember that particular week. Oh, I don't no. remember who the headliner Come was. Come on, you do. I, I no, I don't it? remember headliner was. It could have been JJ Wall. I don't. Okay. You remember JJ Wall? I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So all I know is I had what 14, 15, 18 minutes as, yeah. as a middle act. Twenty. I, I, and it was Jose Jalapeno on a stick. Yeah. My little Mexican jalapeno. Yeah. And it's him. It's my character Peanut. It's Walter. I would smoke that freaking room. Yeah. I mean, the roof would come off the place because right, yeah. I only had a few minutes and yeah. I'm the middle act. I'm not That's expected it. to That's be good. Cush position. <laughs> Absolutely. You, 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 the middle act's always going to put it up the headliner's ass at some point. Right. Yeah. So when, when Deborah started getting complaints from the headliner that they. <laughs> Oh, you did it. was like, yeah, that was it. Get the puppet guy. (laughs) So that's where the resentment starts. That's exactly right. He's cheating, man. I'm just me. (laughs) That's right. He's got the the mental problem and the four puppets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And look, I I know what I do is goofy. I look, I I say this in my own act. I I look at my own, my own headshot and I go, really? Uh There's a grown man sitting there with six dummies and everybody's smiling because it's okay. No, it's weird i can't I'm, yeah i see it right yeah you feel that yeah I, I do i know that okay but let's talk about that first dummy though 
Which one was it? So Mortimer was the first plastic one. No, right. I, I had a more, few more plastic. And then I had a professional dummy made. In How'd the you si- find that out, though? Because you, you, you said you didn't know there was a ventriloquist association. So did you lock in with those guys? Jay Johnson, who was the ventriloquist on soap. Right. Right? Yeah. So he was from Texas, and it was before soap. He was playing a place called Charlie's Place in Fort Worth, Texas. We're singing and dancing in a variety show. And so I went and saw him. My parents took me to see him. And you were like, what, seventh grade? Uh, Yep. Okay. And he was incredibly nice to me, and he said, here's the address for the Ventriloquist Association. You can do the, get the newsletter. So I got yeah. the newsletter, and then the newsletter told me about the convention. The first one, it was like 75, 74, 75. Wow, you must have been like, oh, man. Yeah, it was like geek central. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I get it, Mark. You're not going to hurt my feelings. No, I, no, no. I completely I'm not, get it. I'm, I'm fascinated, actually. Yeah. I'm not... I'm curious about this. No one knows this. I don't know this. And I was an only child, and nobody told me that what I was doing was really sad. Nobody but, told me that. But it wasn't sad, Jeff. You get, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not here to... I'm sure you know you're doing fine, but I mean, you know, you were engaged in this... It was... Look, I was fascinated with it. Right. I think a lot of us, maybe if it's a generational thing. I don't know sure. if it's now, but certainly back then, for some reason, there was still it was still around, and it was still sort of this interesting you know, kind of a skill and weird kind of thing. Well, what I was going to say is growing up in Dallas and Richardson, Texas, I think it was the school system. It was the kids. It was the environment. It was the teachers. All the, all people were, was encouraging. They were just encouraging. And I think what it was, was the material that I chose. And when I would do a show, I would always make fun of the school, the principal, the teachers. But in a nice way. You weren't like, you know, like, uh, you know, fuck the police or anything. No, 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 no. (laughs) But it was making jokes about them in in good taste. With the dummy. Yeah, with the dummy. And I think that's why there was a little, there wasn't that level of... it was a level of cool because I I got voted most likely to succeed, and you did. Yeah, but but yeah, but what I'm saying is it was a great environment of support. Sure, there was nobody beating me up in the alley because I had a doll on my hand. What well, was it? Did, well, but this is not a small town. You were in Dallas, right? Yeah. So it was a big school. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was almost three thousand kids for oh. three grades. Almost almost a thousand a, a grade. So they were like outside. They were just happy to see someone doing something special. I guess. But the the biggest accolade I got was my senior year in the senior talent show i took i had my dummy everybody knew archie he was a professional That's your dummy first dummy no that was the first really professional one and this is when radio controlled toys like airplanes and stuff were really uh, becoming commonplace oh, yeah. and, and not ex- crazily expensive and reliable the mm-hmm. radios so i took one of those radios i disassembled it i put the transmitter i built it into my suit jacket yeah i put the controls in my hand so the dummy could move his head move his eyes and move his mouth all by himself. And I could control that from the palm of my hand. I then took a wireless... You wired the dummy up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I put the transmitter built it into my jacket. Yeah. So And then put all the all the receiver and all the servos and all the crap in the dummy. This was in 1979. Is that how everyone does it with the eyes and stuff? No, 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 no. No, oh, okay. no this is all electronics, radio control. And then I took a wireless microphone, uh, uh, a lav mic, and yeah. I put a mute switch in my other hand yeah. so that I could talk and not come over the PA. So we did my act, my senior talent show, I'm doing the act, and then he and I get an argument. The dummy and I get an argument. Yeah. I put him on, this is before David Strassman, another guy who does this, years before. Yeah. I put him on the stage, I get mad at him, I say, fine, you do it yourself, I'm yeah. out of here. And so I walk in the audience, and I'm yelling at the, and, the, and we, we have a videotape from it. And I'm in the middle of the audience yelling at the dummy yeah. from the audience, like yeah. I've completely lost it. And then the dummy moves his head. And at the same time, rolls his eyes over and said, is Dunham throwing a fit? And it came over the PA, and I was, you know, because I lit up on the mute switch, yeah. and the freaking audience went nuts. <laughs> 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 so 79. 
<laughs> way ahead of its time. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, okay. that, 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 that's that was when, exciting just to hear that. Well, thanks. They, were they were to the audience just like, what's happening? Oh, yeah. There was a, a couple screams and the whole thing is like, Whoa, yeah. people running out. <laughs> not not quite that. The dummy but. lives. <laughs> yeah. Good idea. But how long did it take you to figure out how to rig that up? Oh, just a couple weeks. You know, really? No big deal. Yeah. And that was the one and only show I did that with. That's just crazy. Why? Because why? Did you see it looking back on it? Was it cheating? Uh, it just wasn't, it was amazing because it wasn't, I guess I was starting to catch on even then. It just wasn't funny. It was like, what? Shocking. Right, yeah, right. It was Jarring. Shocking. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you, you talk to Jay Johnson. Yep. And he gives you the address. Now, you write them, you're a little seventh grader. You yeah. write You write the association of Yeah, and I said, I'd like to be, uh, the guy even uh, 25 years later, he'd saved my letter. I guess he saved everything. And he said, here's your letter asking to join. And it was Aww. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So he uh, did they let you yeah. join? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, like, what five bucks a year and you get the newsletter and five bucks. I don't know what it was. Your parents yeah. threw for it. And then and oh, then no, they, you they, were making money. And then the first of that set of conventions started. 1975 was the first convention, and I begged my parents left and right. Where was it? It was in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky, where they have the largest collection. It's a Vent Haven, Vent Haven Museum. It's the largest collection of ventriloquial memorabilia in I've the I've heard world. of that place. Yeah, it's it's great. Almost a thousand dummies in there. And people at first go, oh my gosh, this is going to be creepy. You walk in, but it's all this Americana as well as dummies from all over the world from a hundred years back. And it's actually kind of fascinating. When, when did when did the art of ventriloquism begin? Uh, back in the days of uh, the, before before Christ, because they'd use ventriloquism as like to make the the altars talk and you know soothsaying and all that fake. Oh, stuff. so it was used as a racket, yep. like a, the yep. hustle, yep. like you know, like they they'd actually use it as magic. Give us money, right? Exactly. Oh, no and kidding. then the first dummies started coming along. I don't know. I guess I, I, you, there's pic- we have pictures from the Civil War era of guys sitting there with, with dummies. Sorry, yeah. it's the coronavirus. <clears throat> Sorry. Do you, you want to get your water? No, I'm good. Okay. It's too late oh, now. Here we go. We're going down <laughs> right on the air. You're hearing it. So, all right. So, you go to the convention in Kentucky. You're in eighth grade, seventh grade. Yeah. And then I had they had the contest, and I kicked ass and walked away with a trophy. Yeah. For best yeah, new talent or whatever. Your best junior ventriloquist. But what was your, what was the feeling when you get there to see all the other fucking ventriloquists? It, Were you like, I'm home? Or were you like, oh no? Well. It was a little bit of both, uh-huh. because as you can imagine, we still have that convention to this day. Every July, it's in the same we, town. You're, you're active. You're 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 the guy. I'm you on the got, board of the museum. Of course you are. Yeah, of course. Who I'm... else is going to be on the board? <laughs> you are the. <laughs> on the board uh, and uh, we're having a fundraiser right now we're raising money to build the new building oh where can people go to the website uh, I think it's venthaven.org okay I think it is well you, you people so. if you're you're looking at for a charity to give to <laughs> yeah. the maintenance of a thousand dummies in yeah. a museum in Kentucky needs a few bucks they're a 501 C you don't even want to know how much money I've given that place I'm sure you're yeah. keeping it afloat <laughs> no not that well maybe I don't know no not really they're doing great do you ever go in there like uh, like by yourself and just like I'm gonna give this dummy a chance. they won't let me go in by myself anymore <laughs> Because <laughs> I would pick up the dummies and play with them, make them talk, and yeah, they're like, "That's a fun, that's old, that's old, put it down." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, a buddy and I named Bob Rumba. We would go in every year, and he'd make balloon animals, and so we'd take balloon animals and we'd hide them inside dummies. It was oh, just like yeah. retard. I'm oh, sorry, ridiculous fun. Yeah, retarded that was close. Fun. Good catch. Yeah, yeah you thanks. did it, and then you you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you took it away, and then you I went didn't. ahead and did it. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, th- I use that uh, that word in my act, but I don't with say the old it. man. Bubba, no, with Bubba J, my my redneck character. Oh yeah, he accidentally says it. Yeah. So well, see, this is like that's the interesting thing about some of the characters is that you can 
they we know it's you, right. but there is something about the character, you know, portraying some part of American culture right. that everyone identifies with, who is also struggling with uh, the change that we're going through as Americans. Sure, and as as a writer, uh-huh. people say, "Oh, you're a ventriloquist, <clears throat> just so you can say outlandish things and get away with it." No, that's not what I do. Yeah, I create these, and I've accused of being racist and, and with sti- the uh, Ahmed uh, character with uh, with the, 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 uh, the Jose Jalapeno with Ahmed oh, oh. and Sweet Daddy. D, my African-American character. Um, what I do is I try and create characters that people understand almost immediately. And right. so are they stereotypes? Yeah, they are. Yeah. So yeah. what I do is I create these characters. And if I have a question or if you have a question and you pose it to one of the characters, if I'm a good writer and a yeah. good comic, every one of those characters would have a different answer and a different joke because I'm writing for that particular character. And also it seems to me that you know, the more you broaden the uh, the the number of characters... That you're almost doing that thing that Rickles talked about, where you—it's not insulting everybody, but at least you're, you're representing everybody from, from your weird Texan white point of view. Sure, <laughs> it's a little bit of tap dancing, I admit. Yeah, but uh, I, I do think that um, that I, I'm celebrating those characters. Yeah, I, I could and, see that. And it's not like we don't—you know—when I when I talk about Jose, I don't make fun of him being Mexican. I don't make fun of him, uh, whatever racist things you want to come up with. He's a freaking jalapeno on a stick. Yeah, and he—I modeled him years ago after Slowpoke, uh, Speedy Gonzalez's cousin. Remember that? Right. He yeah. was just this Mexican character. He was yeah. just slow, yeah. slow as in speaking, not right. stupid. Um, and so Jose uh, has been that for years and years and years. And if I don't use him in a show, people get angry. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I well, it's it's delicate. You know, because those you know, those stereotypes. I I think they they to to people who they may represent or the ethnicity they represent. It's a very sort of a, uh, kind of a, uh, narrow representation, right? You know, and you're dealing with these traits that are have been sort of associated with these ethnicities to to sort of keep them down or belittle them, you know, for a long time. So, like, it's hard to And then I do the opposite because Jose and Peanut, my purple crazy character, are the ones that always get into it. And the latest routines... Well, Peanut's just like a thing. Yeah, he's a thing. We don't know what he is. Yeah. But the two of them get into it, and Jose always ends up on top. Yeah. So that's the way the arguments have gone. So, so, so the, the Mexican beats the thing. Yeah, the thing. But but, but, but let me... The, but, See that? It's like the Alamo, you guys. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. But, but, but it's the same thing when I came out with Walter, this cranky old man character, yeah. and I was in college, and people were saying, oh, you know, it's like you're making fun of old people. They're going to really? get upset. Yeah, and, and and I talked to Foxworthy, and this is years ago we had that conversation, that when he first came out with You Might Be a Redneck If, people were saying, oh, you're going to make these people angry. And Ooh, no, the rednecks? Yes. No, it's the exact <laughs> opposite. They, they loved it. Sure. And, and old people love Walter because they either are him or they're married to him or uh, or somebody knows well, somebody I th- I, like Well, him. I can see that like being less challenging than the ethnic character. Sure. Like, I I've, mean, yeah. I'm just using it as the sure, example. Sure, sure. Because w- when I would, uh, you know, be in the improv, hmm. I, this, okay, this is the, the Comedy Magic Club, Lacey would say, I, you know... I hate it when you bring out Jose. I go, oh, bad? He goes, no. All the kitchen guys come out and watch. <laughs> they won't get anything done. <laughs> so it was the Mexican guys that loved Jose more than anybody. Yeah. 
So uh, again, I guess I... there's always. Uh, I guess that's interesting because I never really thought about that. That just like you know the the ratio of people that are happy that that they're being represented on some level ethnically yeah. Yeah. versus the people that are critical of how the ethnic representation reads. Right. And when I have Hispanic people in my audience, they're laughing the hardest at Jose, mm. and it's great. And I and I have people. I have Hispanic people come up to me all the time that say. Uh, you know, I've loved Jose Jalapeno for years and years. And so it's like th- th- you're going to get it from both sides. What about ways. the black character? How does that go? Sweet Daddy D, I uh, made him to try and do my best, innocently and stupidly as I yeah. could, to try and make fun of racism. I uh-huh. wanted to reverse it. I actually uh, got in contact with a few, a couple of black comics, and I said, come on, give yeah. me some great white jokes. Oh. Tell me some jokes that, that Sweet Daddy D could tell about me yeah. and make fun of me yeah. for. And there were a handful of things that worked out, <clears throat> but here's the deal. Sweet Daddy D didn't work out for the same reason that my female character Diane didn't work out, and that's this. Every character that I have as an actor, I have to understand that and be in their heads. Right, right, right. And so uh, Bubba J, the the redneck, I get. Peanut, the wild crazy, right. I get. Walter, yeah. the old man. Even Ahmed, the dead terrorist, I understand being angry and frustrated and et dead. cetera. And dead. Yeah, uh-huh. I understand being there. So uh, when it came to Sweet Daddy D, I came up with the one routine. Yeah. And then I stopped because when it came to ad-libbing, which yeah. is one thing that I love to do in the show, I have no earthly idea what to say in any given situation. I don't understand... I can't live in, I've never been where an African-American or black person has right. been. I don't get it. It's not yeah. in me. A woman, same thing. I was in a movie called Dinner for Schmucks with Paul Rudd. and uh, Right, right, yeah. They had me create the character, and uh, I did. And we got all the rights for me to use it in my act, which was a really expensive and long, drawn-out process. Uh-huh. But after using them for her for a month, it just didn't work. Yeah, because I didn't think I, I couldn't be a female. Well, that's interesting. So you know, you it requires a certain amount. You you are self aware enough to know that your empathy deficit is, you know, is reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because I don't, I don't. You know, I, yeah. the, the you can't claim are, to, no, yeah. no. Black people have been through way more than me but as a and, white and, guy in America has been through, and I don't, I don't, I have never lived it. And same with women, but right. that, but the, and the Mexican thing is just a, this. It's sort of a broad. But I yeah. limit him so much because right. of the character. He's a yeah. vegetable on a stick. He's I a jalapeno know. or a pepper on a stick. He's I, out He's out for I, six minutes. I could, I could hear just in the tone of your voice how many times you've had to defend this. Well, He's a fucking vegetable <laughs> on a stick. What is wrong with you people? It's not a person. It's a, it's a vegetable. But when people say, I want to interview the characters, and I say, okay, Peanut, yes, Walter, great. Uh, let's talk to Jose. And I say, nope. And they say, why not? And I said, because I don't, I, it's the same reason. There's, there's nothing there. I don't, right, I don't know right. how to respond yeah, yeah. as a Mexican right. person. Who are you I don't voting for, Jose? <laughs> sure, I can make wall jokes and stuff like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so is that a common thing that happens on morning radio? Like they, people want to interview the characters? Well, at, at first, when I first started, you know how it is in the comedy clubs when you're, you, you're the headline, you got to go do morning radio. Now, now, my question is, well, right, and there, there's usually an audience there. There's usually at least three people there. Yeah, yeah there's, you know, yeah. and then the guy on the board. You know, so you've got the you've got the main guy, the laughing guy, the, the confused lady, That's and then you. Perfect, Mark. <laughs> Talked about a jaded guy. That's exactly right. No, I used to do a bit about it. You've got the, <laughs> was that right? Well, yeah, the tones are like. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> oh, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my lord, that is awesome. You just summed up every market every morning market oh every market. Oh my god, that's great. So yeah. But when they'd say and I'd bring in the dummy, yeah. they'd be like, What 
this is radio. Why do you have the dummy? <laughs> yeah. And I go, just trust me on this. Yeah, yeah. And so I'd take in Walter, and they'd introduce me, and uh, then I'd, as, and when they were in the middle of the introduction, yeah. I'd Walter would pop up from behind, I'd set him on my lap, and it would throw everybody off. And it was, we were off to the races because then Walter would, I was the greatest radio guest because they said, do you have any questions? I go, no, just say hi. Yeah. And then Walter would, I'd bring Walter out and we'd just launch in to whatever current topic stuff was going on in the country. Yeah. And they loved it. They just had to sit there and laugh. Well, that's funny because like the, 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 yeah, the, the first instinct is to be like, can you just do this without the guy? But you got to have the guy. Yeah. And, and they would. Because you, you, you you interact with that guy because that's the gift that you have is that at some point, you know, you're not thinking you're doing the guy. Well, and it's great to get somebody that's really jaded and really knows their their uh-huh. craft, yeah. a radio guy that's been there forever, yeah. to make him go, actually, you see him actually talking, talking to the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> but then the best is when the sound yeah. guy, this happens so many times, the yeah. sound guy or the engineer yeah. would set up my mic and then he'd be like, oh, and he'd set one in front of the dummy. <laughs> And, and it would it would take everybody else a couple seconds, and I'd be like, uh, you know, it's actually coming from me. He doesn't, he doesn't need one. And then, of course, that guy would catch shit for the next five months. For the rest of his career. Exactly. I remember when Dunham was here. <laughs> exactly. This yeah. idiot put a mic in front of the puppet. Yep. And then every time I'd go back, they'd bring it up, and he'd be all <laughs> made fun of again. So when they, so my recollection is like, you know, when you had, because like I never committed to, you know, much of anything really. Uh, in terms of like you know, I've I've played guitar and done comedy a long time, but whatever. So I, you got the dummy, but I remember like before I even thought about the craft, I'm like, but a real one's made out of wood, right? You know, there was this sort of idea like this one's not real, you know, and then right. like how how much is a real one? Where do you get the real ones? Right. Well, and, and then there's the thing about like how, how all the guys who have the real ones, the the ventriloquists, they're all different. Well, you know, the 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 they, they call them vent figures. That's the, the figures. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that craft of building a dummy yeah. is uh, incredibly complicated and lengthy and there are a lot of skill sets that go with really? it. Really? Well, first, I'll just run through it real quick. First, got to create the, the actual head, the first head, the character. you got to sculpt it. Or... And, you, and when you want one, do you talk to the guy? You're like, no, this no, one I I'm build picking? everything myself. Oh. Yeah. So I'm one of the unusual ones. There's not many so guys that do that. you don't have them made? No, no, no. They're all mine. And there's legal stuff nowadays. You know, when an artist creates something, that's technically he owns it even if he sells it. Okay, so tell me. So you start with wood or you start with a sketch? Well, start... na- nowadays uh, what I do is I, I start with clay and I sculpt the perfect head. And that's the easiest way to do it, sculpt it out of clay. Then I have a 3D scanner, a big old thing that's worth more than most cars. And I scan the head, 3D scan. I got the file in the computer. Now I have a 3D printer <clears throat> and I print just the shell of the head. So now you have this this plastic shell Printed on the 3D printer. Then I take that, and then you have to... Uh, but it's an actual plastic thing. Yeah, it's a head. It's not a printing. You know, it comes out, and it's like a toy, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. a plastic head on yeah. a 3D printer, full-size and all that. Yeah. And then uh, take that, and now you have to animate it. You have to cut everything out, and you have to put all the mechanics into it. What are those? Oh, you know, like the mouth and the eyes and the eyebrows. Make all those move, so that's all mechanical, and that has to be controlled by a stick, the head stick that goes underneath it. And you know, what's where that? You have all the yeah, mo- so each 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 uh, part of the face has its own lever. 
Uh huh. Yeah. So like when this lever moves the mouth, this one does the eyes, does the eyebrows. So yeah, there's a mechanical part of that, and then you got to seal the head up. Then you got to paint it. So you got to paint it perfectly. Then you got to put a wig on it. You got to wig it. Then you got to build the body. You got to costume it. So there's a whole bunch of stuff, and it's it's you know it's not cost effective to do that for a living. There's a handful of guys that do it, but it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, especially since you're doing your own apparently putting those guys out of business. Well, well, I also do it because uh, I got sick and tired of waiting for people because they would take years. To make Some, a head, to, to make, make a, a doll, dummy. yeah. So the first one, though, when did you make your first one? Right, uh, right. The the first one, there was this one old guy that was really reliable that would get one done for yeah. you in three or four months, but it was garbage. Yeah, right. It was crap, you know. <laughs> it's it, just what the mouth didn't it, look right. It's, well, it was it was what every beauty pageant contestant who didn't have a talent would get. Oh, so it was they reasonably learn... priced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For okay, in nineteen seventy five, it was three hundred and seventy five dollars. Oh, right? I heard so it was like thousands to get. Well, a good that's one. now. That's now. Well, I don't know what was three hundred and fifty bucks and well, yeah, it wasn't thousands, in but it was. Yeah. I guess that was a lot of money. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, nowadays they're thousands of bucks. So that was your first puppet and it didn't work out? And after- I was okay. I used them for years. But then when I got into high school and I went to the convention, I won Best Senior Ventriloquist. And the guy that made dummies and was really good at it, gave they gave out what they called the, they gave the dummy to the most promising oh, okay. ventriloquist. Yeah. And the figure maker would do it because he thought, okay, this is going to, my creation right. has a chance of becoming famous. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to bet on this horse with my wooden guy. Exactly. Yeah. So he gave me Archie. My, it was a, he became a friend for 30-something years, Alan. Uh, Alan Seamock. And he gave me Archie and I used him for years and years and years. And, and that was, was a wooden head? Yep. Well, plastic wood. Uh-huh. Plastic wood dough. Oh, oh, so that's yeah. what it is. So, okay, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I started making them out of fiberglass and then a few years ago I moved on to the uh, to the 3D printer. Now, how many how many other ventriloquists make their own dummies? Next to none. Huh. Yeah. So I, this could, is, I couldn't name one today. So this is like a full kind of like all immersive art form you're in. I mean, you're not like, because that means to me that you're building... Like you know, when you have the 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 creative idea to for the for the character that you know you you know you make it out of clay, so you're building your relationship, yeah, with this character fr- from from nothing, right? And and you 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 birth it, right? And it is an, <laughs> an interesting process because what do you come up with first, the jokes or the dummy? And it's it's kind of both. You know what I do now is I think okay, what socially right now, what would be a, a character that yeah. people could identify with or laugh at or with? Akhmed the Dead Terrorist is a is a an extreme example because You the, still use him? Oh yeah, absolutely. He so you, he kills. Hey. <laughs> but you know so here let me tell you the quick story on that though. Yeah. So uh, it was a year after nine eleven. Yeah. Nothing funny about nine eleven ever will be. Even right. Titanic jokes to me are a little iffy today. Uh-huh. Nobody could laugh at nine eleven. Right. But I looked to Leno and Letterman, and yeah. they were making fun of Osama bin Laden. We didn't know where he was. We didn't know if he was dead. We didn't know if he was alive. Yeah. Anybody remember right, that right. time? We sure. didn't know what had happened to him. Yeah. But it was a year later. So I thought, I know where he is. He, and I was at the top of the food chain in the comedy clubs at this time. I thought, I know where he is. He's he's half dead. He's kind of dead, but he's not. And he's living in a suitcase hiding out with my characters, yeah. my other guys. Right. So I, I thought, this might work. Yeah. So I went to, there's a store. Do you remember a store, Oz, here in town? A-A-H-S. It's still in business. <clears throat> no. Anyway, they have all kinds of costumes, holiday stuff. Okay. So I was walking through there, and there was this big bumbling plastic skeleton yeah. uh, that looked like something out of South Park. And yeah. I thought, hey, you know, and then what I would do is I would make the cheap version of the dummy first. Right. And if it worked, then I would then I would make the real Commit. ones. Commit. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I got this plastic thing. I put a moving mouth on it. I put a thing on his head. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to write jokes. 
as if there are family members in the audience who lost people in 9-11. Widows, widowers, parents, kids. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to write the jokes and material as if they're sitting there. Yeah. What are they ready to laugh at? How are they ready to move on? Right. How would that work? I right. wrote that material. I then said, I'm not going to chicken out and go to Hawaii or Alaska or somebody on the far west, someplace on the far sure. west coast yeah. where, not as, where it doesn't sting quite as much. Yeah. I know where it counts. I got booked at Bananas uh, six miles from, yep, six yeah. miles from ground zero. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I did a, a, a Wednesday through Friday, but on Friday night, I wait for the big show, or Wednesday through Sunday. I yeah. wait for the big show on Friday night, yeah. sold out completely. I was a headliner. The audience knew me. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't have done any better. I did my 45, 50 minutes. Couldn't have been better. Yay. Now I come to the end, and I go, well, folks, there's one sentence we've all been waiting to hear, and that is Osama bin Laden is dead. Huge applause. Yay, yay, cheers. Yeah. I said, well, got some news for you. He's here this, with us this evening. Please help me welcome Osama bin Laden. Yeah. And it was like God sucked all the air out of that room. It was like you could hear those people go, what the fuck is this asshole from yeah. Texas going to show us? <laughs> yeah. Right? What's the guy with the puppet going to do now? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So out of the suitcase, I pulled this bumbling, stupid skeleton. Yeah. And I started running through the jokes. And that's when I came up with I Kill You as an ad lib. Yeah. And it, it could not have gone any better. Could not have gone any better. Huh. And I started using him in every single show, and I started getting letters from uh, people in the military because then it caught on YouTube uh-huh. and started going nuts. And um, uh, people started thanking me for it, uh, the parents of, of people in the military. Uh, and so there. Yeah, I mean, I get, like it provides relief for a certain – Yeah, I, I mean, I understand it, man. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's like – uh, yeah, I just did a special where, you know, Jesus doesn't fare well in my special. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he didn't fare well at all to begin with. But, right. but uh, you know, but, it, you know, I was able to sort of put it together with, you know, just the idea of belief and whatever. It's me and my heady shit. Right. But, like, I knew heading into it that, that, that there was a possibility of offending people. So. I did structure the bit so you know I took some of the weight off of that. Right. Do you know what I mean? So like I don't know, you know, if it was Muslims who pushed back or what, but you know, I know that there there is going to be a certain amount of people who are going to be like that's not right, but the bigger issue is, you know, isn't that going to be everything? Well, that that's what happened because if you, I used him for a couple three years, the dead Osama. I then put him away because we stu- he yeah. Osama bin Laden got out of the news. Then my next, my second special, Comedy Central special, came along, and I wanted another new character. Right. And so I thought I went back in the archives and I thought that guy was good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change him from the dead Osama to instead of offending one dangerous guy, I'm gonna offend an entire group of dangerous people. Yeah. So I came up with Ahmed the dead terrorist, and then I made the real version of him. Yeah. And that's when things took off, and then it went on. That's when it went on YouTube and went crazy, and that's when I started getting credible death threats from Muslims all over the world. People. All, we don't know where where they were. Well, they knew they were from. The FBI got involved, but it was it was real threats. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, but then when you. When you look at my act, if you just look at a picture yeah. and you see this guy, yeah. it's unbelievably offensive. Yeah. So you think. It's until you listen to the show, you go, oh my gosh, it's just a stupid failed terrorist who's fallen in love with the free world. He, he thinks he should be angry and should hate us, but he actually loves everything about it. He's very conflicted. Yeah. He's, he's not proud of the fact that he killed himself. Right. So he's a failed terrorist. It, it, it doesn't hurt <laughs> what anybody. I, what I and do. I even say he's yeah. not Muslim. We don't know where he's from. When um, Steve Carell was Gru the first time in uh, Despicable Me, yeah. I saw him interviewed. 
and the and the interviewer said, "Where'd you come up with that accent?" Yeah. And Steve goes, "Well, you know, Europe." And the guy goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "Like that." <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same thing with Ahmed. It's like Middle East. Mm. It's like that from mm-hmm. somewhere. We don't know where he's from. So. How did you handle the uh, death threat? Uh, the FBI got involved, but then, you know, it was, you know. You just lived your life? And yeah, and it just kind of went away for a little bit. Did you bit. bring people on the road with you to watch your back and shit? Uh, we, we, there was extra security. Yeah. But, you know, if a red dot appeared on my forehead, it's like, oh, all right, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> yeah, people wonder how long it take the audience to realize, like, is he really? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. you start talking The, the thing was, anybody, yeah. okay, here's the thing that I ended yeah. up with. If you're the guy that goes out and kills the puppet guy. <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you a martyr of some kind? Do you... That's not going to go down well with your uh, with your bros, right? So, uh, uh, and then I thought, well, maybe they're stupid enough they'll just shoot Ahmed. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to destroy the puppet. Right. So how many puppets you got now? Uh, in the Act 6. Yeah, so but but they all have to be well developed characters. That's well, who thing. are they now? Jose, the old there's, guy. There's, there's Peanut, the little purple crazy guy. He's the, uh, there's the, Jose Jalapeno and Estique. The mainstay, Peanut and Jose. Yep, uh, and Walter. Yeah, and Walter. Walt, those yeah. three have been there forever. Yeah. There's Walter. There's Bubba J, the uh, white trash trailer park yeah. uh, redneck. Yeah. Uh, did I say Ahmed the dead terrorist? Not yet. That's five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now there's um, and this is my rotating spot until yeah. I find another one. But the right. one I've been using right now, politically, our country uh, obviously divided. I have a, uh, a set of uh, conjoined twins <laughs> yeah. named Rich and no, So Happy. you're going to piss off the conjoined twins community. Uh, exactly. Have you, have but, you got any mail from the oh, three oh, well, that's living an, sets? That's another thing. By the way, uh, when Ahmed was reaching his peak in popularity in yeah. like 2008, 2009, yeah. I had it on a credible uh, source that there were even businessmen sitting around at lunch in Iraq and Iran going, I kill you, and laughing. Of course, yeah. Because that's how international that thing went. Yeah, it yeah, went, yeah, And that's why I started being able to do hey, shows believe everywhere. Believe me, there's plenty of people within every Muslim country that don't like terrorists. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right, you know, most yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah but yeah. when I did a show in Abu Dhabi, yeah. oh man, I was a little bit terrified. Because we were setting up my world tour, and yeah. we we're going to go countries. It was 12 different uh, co- uh, countries, uh-huh. uh, 40 different cities all over the world. Everything, Australia, yeah. South Africa. This was one, I've done nine world tours, but this was the giant one. Yeah. And Robert, my manager at the time, said, all right, so you're going to Abu Dhabi. And I went, oh, what? Yeah. Abu Dhabi? Yeah. Uh, where? No. Yeah. He goes, they love you there. And I go, no, they'd love to kill me there. He goes, yeah. no, 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 no. You have to. It, 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 you're sold out. I go, how many tickets? He goes, 4,000. I'm like, oh, but, uh, and they want me to use Ahmed? Yes, that's their favorite one. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, 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 what about, uh, really? Yeah. So I was terrified. Yeah. I really was because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And now we get to the show. And I curtain peeked, and I thought, this is going to be all expatriates. It's going to be military folks that yeah, are over right, there. Sure. They just want to see an English-speaking show. Yeah. Nope. The first two four, two to four to six rows were full of guys in the full dish dash, all the white garb. Yeah, yeah. The women were all in black with only their eyes showing. What? And this was the, Yeah, it was the first few rows, and I'm like, <laughs> wow. oh, my Lord, what am I going to do? But this is how small the world was. They knew every character and loved it. And when I pulled Ahmed out, it was like a fucking homecoming. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm not kidding. It, yeah. They thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Now, now, here's how small the world is and how I get to view it through rose-colored glasses. Two days later, I'm in the middle of Tel Aviv, Israel, yeah. doing the show for 4,000 mainly Jewish folks. Yeah. Did the exact same act. Guess who their favorite character was? Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, it, it's a small world. Mark, I tend to believe that this world is, and you're, you're more cynical than I am, obviously, 
I think this world is full of really good people. Sure. And it's the handful of... I believe of, that. Then. Okay. It's a handful of idiots that ruin it for everybody else. I believe that. Because every corner of the globe that I went to, and again, it's sanitized because it's yeah. my audience. They're coming to see me. I they understand They seem to be that. making more idiots, though. Yeah. Well, it's just everybody has a voice now with their phone. I think that's right. I think you're right. It's like, you know, everyone sitting at home yeah. can now have some sort of global impact right. if they hit the, the right buttons. And that's my next character that I've just now finished. I can show you a picture of him, but he's going to be my internet troll. Oh, that's great. I'm and announcing it here on your show. Oh, great. Yeah, that's internet exciting. troll. By who, himself? Uh, what what, I mean, like, is he? What, does the character not get out much kind of guy? Oh, of course like, not. He lives in the basement, and oh, yeah. he writes about everybody and right. attacks everybody. Does and, he actually, you know, get the president to respond to him or anything like that? I, you're writing my material. I don't know. This is, you know, I have not explored that. Life. I just know, yeah, I just know that there's a, I mean, come on. And, and he's always on his phone. It's going to be oh, the he one. Should, he should piss you off. Like, you know, I got through to Dunham. That's how you met him. Is that like, you know. <laughs> You know, he kept <laughs> bothering you on Twitter. That's a great the, idea. Yeah. That's the way to introduce him. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a lot of haters online, yeah. and we have the biggest hater online ever. Right, because you actually got into an argument with him on Twitter, and you kept at it until you like, let's meet. And that's now- really great, Mark. <laughs> that, I, I, oh, that's great. You want to see a picture? You can have it, buddy. Let me show your audience the picture. Yeah. Okay, but this is just his face. Uh, it's just the head, and that's before I've painted him. Mm. So there's that. Oh, yeah. And there's that. Oh, it's kind of snurd like. Uh, well, he's 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 troll like. No, I get that, but yeah. you know, he's got that same nose. Like, there's a little snurd to him. Well, there, it's you know, I, I'm gonna. It's all have to do with the hair, and then oh, so. Oh, you don't know what you're gonna. But oh, yeah. if you look in the background, see the troll back there. No, I get that. It's a troll doll, right? Right. right. Oh, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, see, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You had to be careful on the copyright on that. Uh, I think the rule is you got to make them thirty. What fifteen percent different? You're asking me like I know. No, I don't know what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. You make them different enough, you're fine. Well, that's yeah, that's exciting. So, so maybe I helped you write something. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but what about this Siamese twins guy? So the Siamese twins, I've been using them for a little while. There was Larry, uh, Larry, who was the. Uh, personal advisor to Donald Trump. Uh-huh. I used him for a little while. Yeah. He was in my special. How but it was great. Because, yeah. because he was conflicted as well. Would uh, you say that he was a, a pro-Trump guy? Or how how that was that? Well, see, that's the deal in my show, is I try and go down right down the middle as much as I can. Yeah. Because I have folks from both sides of the aisle, all sides of the aisle in my sure. show. So well, I, I, I mean, I think that's why you're so popular. Well, I try and do it like um, uh, both uh, Leno and Carson did. Yeah. Where... You never really knew their politics, right? And you made fun of both sides, right? And so that's what I try and do. Okay. So that was this guy was conflicted. There were bo- jokes for both ways. Mm. Rich and Happy is the st- extreme example. One guy's left, one guy's right. They hate each other, and there's always always arguments. Oh, oh so that's it, yeah. and that's still in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about this sort of the evolution of like you know how you weathered, you know, decades. Like you know you came up through the improv chain, but you know me sort of being one of the more condescending people or more aggravated people at another point in my life, <laughs> sort of dismissed you or, or sort of isolated you. But, you know, you always caught flack from comics. Right. And this is, real, on some level, I get that the Association of Ventriloquists is your community, but really your community are, are nightclub entertainers. Absolutely. For, you know, for whatever, however long you were doing that, with right. 20 years or whatever. Yep. Now, like... How did you handle that? I mean, did it hurt your feelings? I, I didn't. Most of the time, I didn't pay any attention to it because by the time I got to where people really disliked me, I was already headlining. And you know how the headliners are. You're not around anybody else. 
But I guess being an only child too, you were sort of used to the isolation or the lack of friends. I don't know, but it did. I, I just never, I never hung out with any of the crowd. I didn't hang out at the comedy store, or hang out at the Melrose Improv. I just didn't. Why? Because you were married and you were okay. You were family man, or you? Well, you there never, was that. You were never a partier or a drinker. You never needed that that sort of uh, weird affirmation from other comics. You hit every one of those as yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I was never accepted in those years, uh-huh. and I didn't have any friends uh, who were comedians. That's sad. In a way. Uh, all my friends were car guys and uh, car guys. Yeah. You? Oh, you're a car guy. Car guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you collect cars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Um, Do you know that my neighbor across the street, Troy? He fixes cars. <laughs> well, if I need something, I now well, I know. I mean, a guy. He's, he's a car guy. He's okay. He's a car guy. All right. Yeah. So yeah. So I didn't. I. I and I, there was nothing to me, no bigger nightmare than having to go to Melrose and do a set, because it was that the, jaded, the improv on Melrose. Oh yeah, boy, yeah. yeah, because it was that jaded Hollywood set, and you guys are hip, and I, I wasn't. So, well, what was the feeling when you had to do one there? You go heading over like, oh, yeah, because I mean, my agents would walk by. And, oh, but it was an industry. You know, there'd be industry nights. My uh, agents would talk me into yeah. it, and I just, I absolutely hated it. And I would die. A th- I've died a thousand deaths on that stage before. It wasn't an easy room, really. No. I never liked it. I, I just yeah. never, the acoustics were never great, and it wasn't easy to anyways. Versus you come right over here near your house at the Ice House, and you'd kill. If oh, you yeah. didn't kill, yeah. you're a moron. Well, yeah, if you walk you walk out of the Ice House going like, I can't even decide whether to judge that as real. Like, <laughs> that's you know, exactly right. Yeah. But that's how I got booked on the Carson Tonight Show for the first time, is from the Ice House. Oh, really? I'd, it'd been nine years. I had, uh, uh, how many years? Let's see, I first started auditioning in 86, so no, and I got booked in 1990, uh-huh. and uh, oh, 84, 84 to 90. Yeah. I auditioned for Jim McCauley nine times. Wow, I got eight. No, 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 no. What the no. fuck was he looking like? We know we've done a lot of ventriloquists. No, know. it was very simple. He says you're not funny enough, right? And that was another thing that kept pushing me. He says, mm. I, but, but I can be on if I'm funny enough. He goes, absolutely. You're yeah. a great ventriloquist. You're just not, you got to be funny when you're in front of Johnny Carson. Right. And so that's when I, you know, and then, you know, I worked and honed and honed and honed that five minutes until he, Macaulay came and saw me at the, the ice house. And of course I killed. And you've always written your own shit? Most of the time. But I, no, I've had a, a, a handful of guys that have helped me oh, throughout yeah? the years. Yeah, absolutely. Comics? Yeah, yeah, of course. And comedy writers. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. It, it gets. It also gets me off the blank page. It's no, no, very... I, I'm not judging. I mean, I like I know plenty of guys. You get to a certain point where, you know, when your business is as big as your business is and you've got this variety of possibilities that, uh, you know, you want to keep stuff fresh, you know, why not hire guys who do that for a living? No, I, that's what I do. Yeah. But nobody ever, I mean, rarely does anybody ever hand me a joke, go, here it is, and then I do it verbatim. It's always no, right. dialogue. What and... comics have worked for you? Uh, Judd Apatow? Yeah? <laughs> yeah. He's one of the, uh, way back when, he wrote a couple of the really good Walter jokes. Oh, way, really? Way back in the beginning. Oh, that's absolutely. nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, when he was just a writer? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> recently. <laughs> Judd, I need some jokes, He'll dude. He'll throw you a bone <laughs> if he likes you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So coming up in the clubs. The cl- um, we're talking about the Tonight Show. So, yeah, yeah, it took nine years. Yeah, it took nine years, and then I finally got it. And after yeah. that- you know, I, I you never forget that first time walking through the curtain when Johnny's introducing you. Yeah. And, you know, you knew your life was going to change and be different. And it didn't change that much. It was just this stamp of grade A. Yeah. Like, okay. And, and I got invited to the couch the first time. And Walter, you know, uh, uh, just Freddie DeCordova said to me, you know, you got this Walter character? Yeah. I go, yeah, I'll, I'm not doing him tonight. He goes, no, but put him behind the couch just in case he get invited over. Yeah. I go, 
Mr. DeCordova, there's no yeah. way I'm going to get invited over on my <laughs> he first time. Knew. And he goes, put him behind the couch. Just trust me. <laughs> Walter, I mean, Johnny would love Walter. Yeah. And that was the best part of the show. I yeah. did my bit with Peanut and yeah. you know, drank the water and did the whole thing. And then they <laughs> called the me. Water. Yeah. Then, then Carson it's called like... me over to the couch and I pull Walter out and I go, uh, you know where we are? And he goes, yeah, I don't give a damn. And I go, it's tonight show with uh, Johnny Carson. Well, la dee da. And he yeah. looks over at Ed and he goes, don't you have some envelopes to lick? <laughs> You know, because uh, <laughs> you know, publishers are clear yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I said, I said uh, at the end of the show, this is there were a handful of lines that were great. But at at, at the end of the show, when we're in commercial break, I yeah. turned to Johnny Carson and yeah. I said, "Mr. Carson, would it be okay if you uh, uh, thank me for coming? Because I have a joke with Walter." And he's like, "Yeah, don't worry about it. I'll thank you for coming." <laughs> <laughs> so he set it up perfectly. We come back from commercial and he goes, and Jeff, uh, thank you and Walter uh, uh, for coming to the show. Hope you can come back again soon. And Walter turns to Carson, to Johnny Carson, and says, yeah, it'll be a cold day in hell before you get me back here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Talk about taking a chance. And and Carson uh, laughed, I mean, laughed really hard. And yeah. that was like, that was it. That was and how many moment. times did you do it with him? Five Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you really Starting got in under the wire there, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, great. Yeah, it was interesting. It was, and here's one of the worst times, though. This, yeah. this ter- ter- st- story's terrible. So you remember Carson's son died. Mm. He went off a cliff in a, a, car, in a yeah. car accident. Yeah. yeah. So they canceled the show. Uh, so I think it was two weeks later, <clears throat> my colleague called me and he says, uh, I need you to do a, a favor for Johnny. I go, what's that? He says, Johnny's coming back tonight. Yeah. And he has this bit where he's going to show his son's photographs. But if he bails on the bit, I need you to be standing by ready to go. I'm like, you want me to come back on the show where Carson comes back after his son's died and you want me to do stand up with my dummy? He goes, yeah. I go, this is not the greatest night to be on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He goes, do it for Johnny. I'm like, Okay. Mm. So I'm back there in the green room, and about 20 minutes into the show, Macaulay comes back, and he goes, you're off the hook. He's going to do the pictures. You don't have to do the show. I'm like, thank God. Wow. Yeah. Oh, did, and do, did you see Johnny that night or no? Yeah. I told him. I said, I'm a, I told him to give yeah, him so, my yeah, condolences yeah. and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Now, all right. Well, okay. Since you were able to somehow, I do sense that, you know, obviously it wasn't great for you all those years, you know, in terms of- us. Well, I didn't hang out with anybody. No, I get it, and but, I didn't but care. still the, the fact that the stress of going to Melrose. I know you didn't care, but it's it's still like you were driving to Melrose going like that. Oh, yeah, but that was only a handful of times. Most yeah. of the time I was on the road. But when I you was, read those epithets, nothing? Uh, yeah. That, and I, 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 that was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm. And it was written by, oh, I have to think about this. I don't remember who wrote it, but I, I you do. I don't. I don't. I, okay. If I if it was multiple choice, I could tell you, yeah. but I can't remember. But it was like, what the what? What's your problem? I'm what, just what, doing what, my what show. Was the it was just something like after I'd won the comic of the year, it was like you know the same thing you said, just a <laughs> hack, and you know he's got a puppet and all that stuff. But you know what? This is the, maybe this isn't the best example, but Carrot Top was kicking ass. Well, I he remember when he so became Comedy Central's like the, the best comic of the year, like the year Hicks died. You know, that was a real controversy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he was selling tickets. Sure. He was selling out clubs. And to me, it's like I get the straight monology and I do 30 minutes to stand up all by myself at the beginning of my show. That's all I do is my stand up. Mm. And, and my special, second special, uh, Comedy Central special 
we shot you know an hour and 45 minutes of material and 30 minutes of it was my stand-up mm. it was just about my kids and mm. being a father and all that stuff and we kept it in the edit and showed it to them and they said uh we want two versions we want the hour and a half version where Def does his stand-up and then the edited down version where it's the mainly the ventriloquism. So they loved it and they played that thing over and over. So I love doing just straight stand-up sure. comedy. I, I, to, to, I, I don't know that I ever called you a hack, but I, I for some reason I felt that <laughs> there was a pure, I, you know, I was a purist of some kind. Sure. And as I got older, you start to realize like we're all under the entertainer umbrella right. somehow. Right. And, you know, there's a long tradition of it. Like, you know, I've softened only, you know, be it was like, the judgment was really had to do with the same as like guitar acts or anybody else. Sure. You know, even like Carrot Top has got a sort of uh, brilliance to whatever the hell he's doing out there in the desert. Right. But, uh, you know. If you see a show, it is amazing. I did see it. My wife and I went when, we were, when I was living there for eight months and uh, I couldn't believe it. It was just like, see, that's Non-stop. the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I live on the laughs per minute and that's how I formed, made my act now is you could put a stopwatch on a stand up on when he's doing a spot on The Tonight Show, whatever. And if he gets a laugh every six to ten seconds, yeah. he's doing great. If it's every fifteen seconds, so he's getting four laughs a minute, he's dying. So when but I what if it's like fifteen seconds, but he ends so huge? I, I of course there are exceptions. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. But so you say, look at you. You got a little attitude too, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I would put a stopwatch to that to guys, and I'd go, yeah, this this is a formula. So I started writing my act building the Tonight Show bits so I would have a, a laugh every six to ten seconds. Yeah. And that's how I was able to do that many spots on there. Right. And so now when I write my act, it's the same way. It's, 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 it has to have that many laughs in the show. And I think, again, I think that's why people keep coming back and bringing family and friends over and over again because you really get your value when you're laughing that much. And also much. the puppets. The, yeah, well, yeah. But there's storytelling in it's there like as well. like watching a play. You know, because like they like, oh, now he's going to bring out that other guy. Yeah, and yeah. it is weird that they all have their following. They all get their big screams. And, yeah. And, uh, so it is an odd thing. I get it. But the suspension of disbelief, just like a good magician, it's it really is fun. Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean, I'll take that to heart that, you, the you know, I okay, I'll try to get one every six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I think I do it relatively innately, yeah. but yeah, maybe that's what I'm missing. But, thing. you know, it's the same thing with Cosby. He was a storyteller yeah. and, uh, you know, growing up, you know, people say, who's what your was, favorite comic? And that, that way, to me, what was the only albums my mother would let me have? Yeah, pre-knowing he was a rapist, Cosby. We of course. To, <laughs> no, you got to say that. You, you know, it's, it, of course no, you I mean, I feel, to. yeah, I mean, he had a, a tr- pr- tremendous impact on me you know 10 years ago even just watching uh bill cosby himself you know like we're like you can just sit down you can you have control of the situation right and that was the special that that that's what brought him down yeah yeah exactly (laughs) nice but that that is the special that made him and uh we, we didn't know all that at the time but at the time he was a guy to look up to because he was you know he had more comedy albums than anybody but yeah and even but the point being that even these long form guys you know, had the jokes every, you know, you you could be telling a story and have a joke every six seconds. I guess. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, maybe not quite six seconds, but but maybe you're offered a little bit of a leeway when you're telling a story. But sure. there's jokes within the long form sure. all the way through. I mean, that's why I have a problem with people saying, like, you're, you're a storyteller or whatever. A lot of great stand-ups were long form stand-ups. Sure. And the jokes are in there. Right. They, you know, they're, they're strung all the way through it. Well, I used to not, not have much respect for Leno when I saw him on The Tonight Show because I'd never seen him live. Then I went and saw him live, and it was like, oh, oh my gosh. Real puncher. 
Yeah, I, 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 yeah, and his yeah. stories yeah. are unbelievable, mm. and, and he's the real deal. And I never realized that until I went and saw him live. What do you think of uh, like uh, Willie and Lester or Otto and uh, uh... Otto? Otto and George. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Otto and George is like the filthiest ventriloquist ever. But you think he was man, good though? Oh well, technically no, but he was good because it was just like it was. I mean, he, he would kill. He would kill. So dirty. Yeah, so, but it was some of the lines were like, "How do you oh, even yeah. think of that?" Yeah, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's dirty boy <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> Willie Tyler and Lester uh, great I mean you know I, I'm not into singing right and you, it, it's it, to me it's great if you entertain the audience again we're back to that it's yeah, great but sure. I just I, I again I, I approach it more of a stand up and I'm telling jokes and, and telling, right. uh, again but, tell, but you gotta know how to drink the water <laughs> I, I stopped doing that a long time ago you know I tried it's to bring right, it, it's a rite of passage though right I mean, it is but I did try and bring it back a few years ago yeah. just cause it was such a big bit right and I felt like such a chump on stage doing it <laughs> I really did. It would be like it would be like Seinfeld going, you know, I used to juggle. Yeah. So here we I, go. I, it kind of, but it's sort of like you know, it is. But unlike stand up, unlike in, it, it is the mark of 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 a, of of someone who's good at what you do. Like you know, like <laughs> like there. I think there. It's like a you know a gymnast. You know, when they do a triple, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Like I think a lot of people are like, I don't know. But I wonder if he can drink the water. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess. But I, I also look at what I do like South Park. Uh, this is the worst animation when they were actually cutting pieces yeah, of paper yeah, out. It's sure. the worst animation ever. Mm. But the writing was so great and the characters were so great. Who who cares? I would rather see a horrible juggler that can't juggle anything or a magician that can't pull off a thing that's funny than I would that's amazing that can you know, or a juggler can juggle eight things at once. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. I want to see the guy drop it and fall on his face and yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, say yeah. something funny. Yeah, 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 once. But, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully on purpose. But yeah, it gets exactly. a little rough when they <laughs> yeah, just keep well. dropping shit and you're yeah. like, I think we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Click. <laughs> well, good luck working on it. You got plenty of time to develop the, uh, you know, wh- whichever character is going to deal with coronavirus. You're going to have a little time off. Yeah. Yeah, but I, Mark, I will say that is a brilliant idea. That uh, he troll? was one. Of, he was one of my haters online. There you go. That's really fun. Run with it. Thanks. Great talking to you, man. Appreciate it. Now, see, I enjoyed that immensely. To be quite honest with you, guy makes his own heads, makes his own puppets. Uh, you can go to Stitcher Premium to pick up the uh, the. The premium service and get you all 1,100 plus episodes of WTF. You can watch my special on Netflix, my three specials on Netflix, my most recent one being End Times Fun. And uh, stay safe. Uh, Try not to lose your minds. Now I'm going to play three chords with maybe a fourth chord dropped in.
lives.